Welcome to the St. Anne Roman Catholic Podcast, coming to you from Gilbert, Arizona. We pray that God will bless your time as you listen. Well, here we are the first Sunday of Lent. Four days ago, we came here on Ash Wednesday, and we heard in St. Matthew's Gospel the three acts of piety that the Israelite people were most uh, inclined to do, which was to give alms, to pray, and to fast. And Jesus warned them, do these things, but do them in secret. Let it be between God and you. Do not do it in public so you get a lot of attention. And then today we have the whole idea of temptation, that we want to do these acts, but temptations kind of pull, pull us away from them. They distract us from doing those good things that we know we should do. We have uh, two sets of temptation, you might say, in today's scriptures. The first is from the book of Genesis, the temptation that Adam and Eve endured where they gave in to the Satan's temptation. And then in the gospel, we just heard about Jesus, how he is tempted three times, but he does not give in. He does not give in to the temptations of Satan. In the words of John Christopson, Christopson, he says, baptized should not be troubled if after baptism they suffer greater temptations, as though such were not to be expected. Temptation is a reality for all of us. The Carmelite priest, Father Gabriel of St. Mary Magdalene, in his work, Divine Intimacy, says, temptation is a struggle that none can escape. But then he adds, God does not permit us to be tempted beyond our strength. So although we're tempted, we will not be tempted more than we can withstand. But still we give in to it because we give in to our weakness. How does temptation come to us? Well, it comes to us through the senses, right? We can see something, we can hear something, we can smell something, we can taste something, we can touch something. And it comes in through the senses and then it goes to the mind. And that's where it hits the imagination. And the imagination is the domain of Satan. That's where he works on us. So he says, well, think about this. Would you think about that? He says to Adam and Eve, Adam, or to Eve, he says, God doesn't really mean that. Think about it. Use your intellect as a person to try and figure out God's intellect. It is so much greater. The temptations that Jesus endures, three temptations. First, the temptation of the flesh. Take these stones and make them Loaves of bread. You're hungry. You've been fasting 40 days. You deserve something to eat. And by the way, people will be impressed by this. Do something to impress them because you're hungry. Jesus didn't come to impress the people. He came to show us the way. Then there's the temptation of pride. Takes him to the highest point in the temple and says, throw yourself down. And then the angel will pick you up and not let you hit the ground and not you be injured at all. And that will impress the people. And Jesus says, no, I'm not 
here to show that I have special powers or to do anything for, to make myself look good. I use my powers for the good of others, not for myself. And then the third temptation is the temptation, we might say, of avarice. Avarice, a fancy word. What does it mean? Avarice means to excessive or insatiable desire for wealth or gain, to get more, to get more than my share if possible. And Jesus did not come to gain anything special. He came to serve us. In many places in scripture, we hear the words, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve the needs of the many. We are tempted by Satan. We are tempted by his minions. We're, we're tempted by the, the angels of Satan. But we're also tempted by our human weaknesses. We are weak in so many ways. We all have certain weaknesses. Some have weaknesses of this. You know, some, some of us are, it's food, it's sex, it's gambling, it's you name it. There's any kind of excesses, we call them addictions. The senses are where it starts. And again, it comes back in the mind. So temptation, we think about in three terms. First of all, temptation is not sinful. Temptation is a suggestion that comes into the mind. Now, if you take that temptation and you take some delight in it, there's probably some kind of sin. Maybe it's a minor sin, but if I take delight in the temptation, that's taking away from God. That can be sinful. If I give full consent to the temptation and it's serious matter, I commit a serious sin. So it's, it comes, and what am I going to do with it? So I'd like to spend the rest of the time talking about what do we do to resist temptation? There are many things we can do, and Lent is a perfect time to practice these things, to put on kind of a spiritual armor, to build those fences up we need to build to avoid temptation or keep the temptation from getting into our life. The first, of course, is prayer, to have a life of prayer. And we can pray in many ways. There are many devotions we can pray. We can pray the rosary. We can pray the novenas. We can pray the chapter of divine mercy. We say the St. Michael prayer at the end of Mass, calling St. Michael to guard us from Satan. We can also uh, pray things like the morning prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus, through the heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day to offer everything up to God. We can uh, also, during Lent, we have the Stations of the Cross, which is a, a special devotion that reminds us of the passion and suffering of Christ that he endured for our sins, that sin of Adam and Eve that was committed. We have the sacraments, the sacrament of confession, reconciliation, to confess maybe at least once a month or so, we should really be going to confession to just get in touch with what it is I'm doing. It's really a good idea to examine my conscience every night before I go to bed and say, what happened this day? What what did I do? What did I, could I have done differently? What did I do right? It's good to remember the good decision we made also, not just the, the things we did wrong. We have the Holy Eucharist. We're going to 
partake of that sacrament a little bit. Any of the sacraments are special. Then there's mortification. Mortification is a nice fancy word, but what does that mean? It means to deprive myself. When we think about mortification, there are really two types of mortification. There's the external type where we fast from, from food or from some kind of pleasure in our life. But the internal mortification is the one that really makes sense. It's really important to us. They're both important, but especially internal mortifications. I forgive you, but I'm gonna hold this grudge. Well, I have forgiven you. The internal mortification says, the inside matches the outside. What I say is what I put into my heart. So important, internal mortification. We don't talk about that much, but it's so important to us. How about the attitude we have? An attitude of being poor in spirit. What is to be poor in spirit? To be poor in spirit is to say, everything comes from God. I can do nothing for myself without the power of God. Everything comes from God. I, I have nothing, but I have everything when I live in the spirit of the Lord. I am poor in spirit when I see my spiritual poverty, when I profess my spiritual poverty, when I try, stop trying to be king of my own whatever, right? It is also good to be, have an attitude of gratefulness, to appreciate everything that comes, even the little things. We had some rain last night. Oh, it's gonna be colder and damper this morning. But the flowers will grow. The weeds will grow too, won't they? <laughs> but to, to appreciate the little things. I remember a friend saying one time, I thank God the shower was warm water this morning. We take things so, so much for granted, but to have that attitude of gratitude, that attitude of thankfulness. Marian devotion is another great way to build up the strength against temptation. To a devotion for a lady, to recognize that she has the highest form of intercessory power. She's not the fourth person of the Blessed Trinity. She's Mary, she's a person like us, but the most perfect person, born without original sin. We think about the wedding feast of Cana, when she says to her son, they have no wine, what's that to me? Do whatever he says. She can't he can't refuse his, his mother. And then to finally to just develop friendships with people that are good people that are living the Christian life. Who are my friends? Who do, I, who do I pal around with? Who do I hang out with? Do my friends want to live the kind of life or do they drag me down? But if we do these things, if we think about these things, and this is not the only list there is. There are many th more things you can think about. But to find ways during this Lent to keep temptation, or you can't keep temptation out of your life, but to be able to put the fences, the armor up, that deflect me from being affected by these temptations, to help me to resist these temptations. I'd like to end with a quote. This is from the from a, there's a book uh, about how to make your spiritual life better. And this quote I read from it. Progress in spiritual life does not consist in having a great deal of interior joy and consolation, 
It doesn't come from interior. Yeah, we have interior joys and consolation, but we don't, we don't just have that. That doesn't mean that we're there. The progress in spiritual life consists in being humble, in being patient, being free from self-pity when things go wrong. Thank you for listening to the St. Anne Roman Catholic Podcast. For additional podcasts and media, visit us on the web at www.sanneaz.org. Again, that's www.stanneaz.org. St. Anne, pray for us.